Okay, let's pray together. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us in His Word. Your Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. If we didn't have Your Word, we would be in pitch darkness, stumbling, tripping, falling. You've given us Your Word. The, the, the light can be switched on and we can see. I pray you'd, you'd shine your light into an area that, that can be some darkness for us. Um, this area of singleness. And I pray that the singles here would be deeply encouraged and that the marrieds here would be more equipped to encourage the singles that are here so that we can be a place where both singles and marrieds are honored and thrive for the glory of your name. So come and do this, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Okay, we're wrapping up our series on uh, grace-based marriage today. And I wanted to end by spending a week talking about singleness. And there's a couple reasons I wanted to deal with, with singleness during this, at the end of this marriage series. One reason is that a, a biblical understanding of singleness will, will help you understand marriage if you're married. And if you don't have a biblical understanding of singleness, your understanding of marriage is probably tweaked in some ways. So this will be helpful for those of you who are married. Another reason is you singles have been very gracious as we've been spending time encouraging the marrieds, okay? We appreciate it very much. We've tried to have there be something for singles in every message, but some of those had a greater proportion than others. I wanted to take some time and just directly speak encouragement to the singles here. And so that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this. And a third reason is that there are some serious and harmful misunderstandings about singleness, especially in church circles. And they harm the singles when they're heard and when they're lived. And I want to destroy misunderstandings about singleness this morning so that we're, we're free of those, so that this is a place where singles will thrive. What I want to do is show you three scriptures that have implications for singleness, unpack them, and then we'll open it up for questions if we have some time at the end. So the first passage is 1 Corinthians 7, verses 7 through 9. So go ahead and turn there. And if you need a Bible, I want you all to have a copy of the Bible in front of you. So just raise your hand. We'll have one brought to you. 1 Corinthians 7, 7 through 9. 1 Corinthians 7 is on page 955 in the Bibles that we're passing out. We, we touched on this verse three weeks ago, and I want to dig deeper into it. What this verse teaches, what I want to raise up, is that singleness is a gift from God. It's a gift. Look at what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 7, 7 through 9. Paul says, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and to and the widows, I say that it's good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Okay, so in verse 7, Paul says that each person has his or her own gift from God. So, 
It's one of one kind, one of another. So what, what two gifts is Paul talking about? Well, in verse 8, first to the fact that he is single. That's one of the gifts he's talking about. In verse 9, he presents another alternative, marriage. And so the two gifts that Paul is talking about here are singleness and marriage, which means, if you think about it, every one of you in this room right now has a gift from God, either the gift of singleness or the gift of marriage. That's what Paul is saying in verses 7 through 9. So if you're single today, then God's gift to you is singleness. He's gifted you with singleness. Now, now here's what that doesn't mean. I don't think that that means that you have no desire for marriage or for sex. I don't think that's what it means. Um, What it means is that if you're single today, either by your own commitments or by your circumstances, if you're single today, then that means that, that God has gifted you to be single and that he will give you everything that you need to fight for contentment in Jesus as a celibate single. That's what it means. Part of the gift of singleness is he will give you everything you need in Christ to fight for contentment in him. To fight for contentment in him. It, it may mean fighting, okay, for contentment in him as, as a celibate single. Okay, now, Paul also says in verse 9, here's what I think he's saying, if this fight for contentment takes an inordinate amount of energy, and if you, you'd really rather be married... Paul says, go ahead and get married. Okay, get married. And if God provides you with a godly husband or a godly wife, then the day that you say, I do, God is then at that point giving you the gift of marriage. But until that point, or if You might desire marriage, but God doesn't bring it. Then you know that God is continuing to give you the gift of singleness, which means he's going to continue to give you all the grace that you need to fight for contentment in him as a celibate single. So that's what the gift of singleness means, I believe. Jesus will give you everything that you need to fight for contentment in him as a celibate single. Single. Now, now, the main thing I want us to get, though, is that singleness is a gift from God. It's a gift to you from God. Don't think that singleness means you lack the gift from God. Singleness is a gift to you from God. And I want to just stress that point because a lot of people, especially in the church, talk in such a way that it sounds like marriage is normal And singleness is not. Right? Like when people walk up to you and say, you're such a nice person. How come you're not married yet? Now I want you to think about that statement. Ponder the implications of that statement. Okay? Nice people get married. Right? That couldn't... I was say, couldn't be more wrong. No, that's not true. Okay? Not that it's the other way, necessarily. But imagine, okay, married people, if somebody walked up to you and said, you're so nice, how come you got married? 
do you see the implication in that statement, as well-meaning as it may be, the implication of that statement is that singleness is not the norm. Marriage is normal, singleness is not. That's wrong. Don't talk that way. Well, more important, change your thinking so you understand that singleness is a gift from God. When you're talking to a person who is single, they have received a precious gift from God. To be single, to advance the kingdom, to bring glory to Jesus in unique ways that married people can't, as we'll see in a moment. It's a calling from God. It's a gifting from God. Now, that doesn't mean singleness is going to be easy. Okay? I mean, every calling has its difficulties, right? Marriage, in some ways marriage is easier than singleness. In some ways marriage is harder than singleness. Singleness, in some ways singleness is easier than marriage. In some ways singleness is harder. Let me focus on two ways that singleness is especially hard. I want to focus on these for two reasons. One is so that we married people, I'm going to quote two single people here, so we married people can maybe get a little more understanding and empathy about what it means to be single. Because I want us marrieds here to love and respect and honor and stand with singles. So I want, I want us marrieds to have a little bit more empathy, understanding, and I want you singles to be encouraged by some of these single people I'm going to be quoting. One battle is loneliness. Okay? Here's a quote from Trevor Douglas. Trevor Douglas is this studly dude in the, like the, the jungles of the Philippines doing church planting all by himself. And he's intentionally chosen to be single to plant churches there amongst the Ifugao people in the Philippines. Here's a quote from an article that he wrote. Here's what he said. Perhaps loneliness takes the heaviest toll. I well remember how a fellow single missionary brother poured out his heart to me. Quote, Christmas is especially bad, he said. That's the hardest. Once I was invited to spend Christmas with a family, but after I got there, I wished I'd never gone. I felt like they were just trying to do me a favor. I felt like an intruder. Next Christmas, I drove off in my car far away, rented a motel room, and sat there and cried. Singles will battle loneliness. If you're single, Jesus has given you everything you need to battle for contentment in Jesus as as a single. And I want us as a church to help singles in this battle by understanding, by not saying things that aren't right, by praying specifically for them in this, and by, by coming alongside them, standing with them, befriending them, not to do them a favor, but because this is a brother, this is a sister in Christ who I need. Listen, marrieds, you need singles. Singles, you need marrieds. So let's battle. Let's help the singles battle loneliness. Another battle, obviously, is sexual temptation. And I read this powerful quote from Margaret Clarkson, an amazing single woman. I'm going to end with a quote from her too, but here's, here's just two, two paragraphs. She said, through no fault of my own, I'm unable to express my sexuality in the beauty and intimacy of Christian marriage as God intended when he created me a sexual being in his own image. To seek to do this outside of marriage is, by the clear teaching of scripture, sin against God and against my own nature. 
As a committed Christian, then, I have no alternative but to live a life of voluntary celibacy. I must be chaste, not only in body, but in mind and spirit as well. Since I am now in my 60s, do you love that? I think that my experience of what this means is valid. I would think so, okay? I want to go on record as having proved that for those who are committed to do God's will, his commands are his enablings. He's commanded chastity. He's commanded celibacy. His commands promise his enablings. And she can go on record as a 60-year-old woman who has seen God constantly enable her, even though it's clear from what she wrote that this has not been easy. Do you hear that? I would love to meet Margaret Clarkson one day. I know I will in heaven. Okay, so here's what I want. I, I want our church to be a church where, where singles are affirmed as having a gift that is just as important and precious as the gift of marriage. That's biblical. Paul says each has his own gift from God. One in this area, one in that. And I want us as a church to seek to understand as best we can the battles of loneliness and sexual temptation that singles face and that will stand alongside single people. See it as an honor to stand alongside single people and help them in the battle as brothers and sisters. Singleness is a gift. It's a gift from God. Okay, second passage, Matthew 12, 46 to 49. Let's turn there. That's page 818 in these Bibles. And what I want to show you is that singleness means being part of Jesus' spiritual family. This is an amazing passage. What Jesus says here is shocking if you feel what's really happening here. Matthew 12, 46 to 49. Verse 46. While he was still speaking to the people. So Jesus is in a, in a home. And the picture you get is this home is packed full of people. So while he was still speaking to the people. Behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. So packed house. Jesus' mother Mary and his brothers are outside. They'd like to talk to Jesus. And so some, some man tells Jesus that in verse 48. But Jesus replied to the man who had told him that your mother and brother are out there. And here's what Jesus says to this man. Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Okay. God's established two different kinds of families. There's two different families in the scripture. There's, there's earthly, physical families, husband, wife, kids. And then there's Jesus' spiritual family. Okay? Let's start with the, the earthly, physical family. Jesus was part of an earthly, physical family. He had Mary, who was his earthly, physical mother. And he had earthly, physical brothers. And Jesus was part of that earthly, physical family, and he honored that earthly, physical family. One of the most poignant illustrations is, remember, John tells us that when Jesus is on the cross, suffering, he calls on John to take care of his mother. Remember that passage? So Jesus 
honored his mother and honored his earthly physical family. But Jesus wants us to understand that there's another more important family than the earthly physical family. And this is his spiritual family. Now, spiritual family is not produced by physical birth. Spiritual family is produced by, not by physical birth, it's by spiritual rebirth. It's when someone hears the gospel and God brings his saving power upon them, changes their heart. They repent of their sins, put their trust in Jesus. They're born again. They're saved, forgiven. God is now their father. He adopts them into his family. They become part of Jesus' spiritual family. And feel how shocked Jesus' listeners would have been. I mean, this is, this is almost offensive. His mother, Mary, and brothers are outside. They'd like to talk to him. A man says, Jesus, Jesus, your, your mother and your brothers would like to talk to you. And Jesus says to the whole crowd, who are my mother and brothers? And he points to his disciples and says, these are my mother and brothers. And brothers. And so what Jesus is saying here is that the spiritual family is more important than the earthly physical family. Now don't misunderstand that, okay? In God's Word, it's clear all through the scriptures that earthly physical family is very important to God. Okay? Very important to God. Uh, marriage is purposed by God as a way to display Christ's love for the church. Christ-centered parenting is God's means by bringing children into his eternal spiritual family. And there's some people, maybe some of you, husbands, wives, children, who don't take your earthly physical family with as much importance as the scripture gives it. So don't shirk your responsibilities as a father, as a husband, as a mother, as a wife, as a son, as a daughter. Earthly physical family is important to God. Are you hearing that? Is the earthly physical family important to God? Really important. And don't, please don't hear, okay, I can keep shirking my responsibilities. Don't. But as important as the earthly physical family is to God, Jesus' spiritual family is more important. We've got to see this. And one obvious reason why is the earthly physical family will not last into heaven. Jesus is very clear there's no marriage in heaven, right? And yes, every parent longs that his or her children will become part of Jesus' spiritual family so that they can be together in heaven, right? But they won't be together as an earthly physical family. They'll be together as part of Jesus' spiritual family. That's the family that lasts into eternity. Okay, now I want to stress this, because if you're single... It's really easy for you to say, I don't have a family, and I'm just alone. Right? And Jesus would say, wrong. If you're trusting me, if you've been born again, you're part of the most important family. The most important family. The part that you're not, the fact that you're not part of an earthly, biological, physical family now doesn't mean that you're not that you have no family. You can be part of his spiritual family. But, of course, that doesn't come automatically. 
that takes some effort. It takes some intentionality of developing friendships with other marrieds and singles. I mean, have some marrieds over. They need you. They need to learn from you and to hear from you. And you need to, to hear from them too. Now, in our context here at Mercy Hill, one of the best ways to do this is by really connecting together singles and marrieds, singles and singles, in, in our home groups. This is why we don't have singles home groups. Okay, because it's, that's not the, the diverse family that Jesus wants church life to express. That's not the diversity of his, of his family. And so as you intentionally develop these Christ-centered relationships with other brothers, other sisters, other, other couples, you're going to be coming part of the most important family. Um, in 1 Timothy, let me just read you a couple of verses. I want to see this, show you this from Paul's life. First uh, Timothy chapter one verse two, Paul writes to Timothy, my true child, in the faith. Paul was single, didn't have any kids that we know of or biological kids. But here he says to Timothy, my true child in the faith. First Timothy one eighteen, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child. Second Timothy one two, to Timothy, my beloved child. So see, Paul was single. Paul did not have an earthly physical family, right? But Paul had a family. Paul had a very rich family. Timothy was Paul's spiritual son. Paul had met Timothy, shared the gospel with Timothy. Timothy had been saved. Paul had mentored Timothy. They had traveled together. They had talked together. They'd encouraged each other. They'd prayed together. They'd wept together. They'd laughed together. Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy, who was his spiritual son. So if you're single, do not think that you're without family. You can be part of the most important family, the family that will still be in existence in eternity. So if you're single, seek to be a spiritual father or a spiritual mother to some others. Mentor some. Love, share, befriend Help, be, become a spiritual father or mother. Become a spiritual brother to some people your own age, maybe. A, a brother or a sister. And then let some older, godly, single, married men, women become spiritual fathers and mothers to you. Connections in, in Jesus' spiritual family. Okay, one other truth, and then we'll open up for some questions. The passage is 1 Corinthians seven thirty-two to 35. Go ahead and turn there. That's back to 1 Corinthians 7, page 956. 1 Corinthians 7, 32 to 35, a passage that is a bit puzzling if we read it all by itself. But I hope I can shed some light on it this morning. 1 Corinthians 7, 32 to 35. Paul says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirits. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Okay, now that passage could sound, if you took it all by itself, it could sound like married people are worldly, 
right? And the only way to be devoted to the Lord is to be single. That's what it could sound like if that's the only, only passage that you had. But again, like I already said in other passages, Paul is very clear that marriage is a holy calling to display Christ's love for the church. So marriage is a holy, godly calling. And families are a holy, godly calling. Parenting is a holy, godly calling to to raise your children up to know Jesus, to to build each other in trusting Jesus, to advance Jesus' mission into your neighborhood. So marriage and family are holy callings from God. That's what Paul's talking about here in 1 Corinthians 7. Here's what I think he's saying. He's saying at least this. This is what, what struck me this week as I tried to think more deeply about this. Marriage and family simply means you've got extra responsibilities. There's just more responsibilities that you have. If you're married, you need to earn more money than if you were single and supporting yourself. That takes more time, more energy, more effort, right? If you're married, you, uh, you need to spend time with your family. Okay? So, you know, I'm married. I, I'm not as free to spend time with people in my home group as I would be if I was single. Right? That's just the way it is. That's what it means to be married. So what Paul is saying is that marriage and family brings added responsibilities. And if you're single, you are freed from those added responsibilities. And you can devote more of your energy and efforts to building Jesus' spiritual family. That's that's what I think Paul is saying here. Here's another quote from Trevor Douglas. Remember, he's the church planter in the Philippines in the jungles. Here's how he put this point. He said, The single lifestyle enables one to get the most out of the time God gives for his work. One of my chief delights is that I don't have to fit my ministry around a family schedule. I don't have to be home at a certain time each night. My time is the Filipino's time. Right? Okay, now, if you're married, you shouldn't be talking that way, all right? But see, that comes back to the fact that singleness is a gift from God. It's a gift to free you from other responsibilities so that you can build Jesus' spiritual family. So I want to encourage you. If you're single, you may need to fight to see your singleness this way because the push of the world will scream at you that it's not a gift. Right? And it will take war to resist the lie. It is a gift from God to free you from responsibilities so that you can be free to advance to build Jesus' spiritual family. So pursue that. Hang out at Starbucks with people from your home group. Have married so have a family over to your house for, for dessert or for dinner. Get time with people in your neighborhood who don't know Jesus. Let their time, like he says, my time is the Filipino's time. I mean, don't neglect yourself, right? You need time with the Lord. You need to sleep. You need to work, okay? It's not a, a license to burn yourself out. But you you are freed from some responsibility so that you do have more time to invest in the kingdom. And ask Jesus, help me to see it more clearly that way. Help me to understand it more clearly that way. Because that's the truth. That's the truth. You've got that gift from God. Now one last quote, then we'll see if we have some questions. Margaret Clarkson. 
60-year-old, godly, single woman. Again, I want to read this because I want marrieds to, again, hear again from a seasoned, warrior, godly, single woman so we can learn what singleness means. Learn a little bit more. And I, I wanted to read this to encourage you singles. Here's what she says. My whole being cries out continually for something I may not have. As a Christian, I have no choice but to obey God, cost what it may. I must trust him to make it possible for me to honor him in my singleness. That this is possible, a mighty cloud of witnesses will join me to attest. Multitudes of single Christians in every age and circumstance have proved God's sufficiency in this matter. He has promised to meet our need and he honors his word. If we seek fulfillment in him, we will find it. I love that. Let me read that again. If we seek fulfillment in him, we will find it. It may not be easy, but whoever said that Christian life was easy? The badge of Christ's discipleship was a cross. Why must I live my life alone? And what she means by that is unmarried. Okay, She's part of Jesus' spiritual family. She's talking about being unmarried here. I do not know, but Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. I believe in the sovereignty of God, and I accept my singleness from his hand. He could have ordered my life otherwise, but he has not chosen to do so. As his child, I must trust his love and wisdom. Church, let's be a place where singles can thrive here because we honor them as having a gift from God just as precious as the gift of marriage. We recognize it as a gift. We honor them as having that gift. We have some level of understanding of the wars that they need to fight as singles and we see it as an honor to stand by them, next to them, and help them fight. Marrieds have our battles too, right? Singles, we need you to stand by us in those. But we're talking about standing by you in these now. And then singles, I'm praying that all of you will be able to see more clearly that your singleness is a gift. As long as he has you be single, that it's a gift. It's a gift from God's loving, gracious, sovereign hand. You're not lacking the gift. You have the gift, at least the gift that he has for you for today. We don't know what tomorrow will bring or next year, but for today, this is his gift. Every gift has its battles. We count it an honor to stand with you in fighting yours. Okay, let's see what questions this has raised. Yeah, there will there will be season there there will be seasons in a marriage where sexual relations aren't possible for various reasons, and God will give you the gift of chastity during that time during that season. Um, and if a spouse dies, remarriage is certainly possible at that point. But He may not call you to that. And um, and if a divorce occurs, there can be the need for the gift of singleness. But see, the point is, we each have our gift from God, one in the marriage area, one in the singleness area. That's just liberating. So thank you. What else?
Excellent. Second uh, Corinthians nine eight. That is such a good promise. I was just working on memorizing that one yesterday. Uh, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Every all abounding, every all, like just everything. Um, Isaiah 41.10 is one that I've used at times when I have felt alone. Isaiah, uh, fear not for I am with you. I am with you. The Lord's with you. That's 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4, right? Yes. Excellent. Let me just throw out there also Psalm 16:11. In God's presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand there are pleasures forever. Any other promises that would be helpful? These promises also may be helpful for, for singles battling loneliness too. So, Others that come to your mind? Proverbs 31.10 and following. It's a good verse. Okay, let's stand together. Let's, let's pray this into our hearts as marrieds, as singles, as a church. Thank you, Jesus, that you were a single man, never married, perfect model of that that gift. And I pray, Lord, for the singles here, thank you for each one. Thank you for the honor of standing in the battle with them. Thank you for the precious gift you've given to them. And we pray, Lord, that you'd make Mercy Hill a place more and more where the gift of singleness would be honored and recognized. And Lord, I pray for us, I pray for the singles too, that you would give them grace, pour out your mercy upon them, Lord, to enable them to fight for contentment in you as celibate single men and women. Give them grace for that. We know you've promised you'll give them all the grace that they need. We pray that you would do what you've promised. That even this week, they would have times of so profoundly experiencing you pouring your love into their hearts that they are satisfied and filled and content with you and you alone. Do that, Lord, I pray. Richly bless them. And help us as a church be more effective in standing alongside and helping them to fight as, as they stand alongside marrieds and help us to fight our battles too. And we pray all this, Lord, for the glory of your name and for the advance of your mission in our city. Help us to do this, Lord Jesus, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.